This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. It is Thursday, but it is our final show of the week. So we're going to do something this hour that we usually do on Fridays. We're going to do Ask Frank Anything for the next hour. So whatever you have questions about, now's the time to call and ask. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. The only thing we ask is that you please be interesting and get to your question right away. I've been telling you a little bit about this state assembly election in Brooklyn. Now, first, let me give you a little background. For the last two years, there's a whole cadre of our listening audience that believes the election was stolen from Donald Trump. And many of them happen to be Republicans. The election was not stolen from Donald Trump. Donald Trump lost the election. Those are the facts. You could agree. You could disagree. Those are the facts. But the Republicans who think that Democrats steal elections may be proven right about this incredible election in Brooklyn. We've been talking about Lester Chang. In an extremely rare move, the Democratic-led state assembly is preparing to vote against seating the Republican winner of an assembly race in Brooklyn, Lester Chang, because he may not have moved into the borough one year prior to the election as required by law. Now, Lester Chang won this election fair and square. Nobody disputes the outcome. He beat longtime Democratic State Assemblyman Peter Abadi 52% to 47%. He was on the ballot. They let him on the ballot. The Board of Elections put him on the ballot. There were no court challenges to his residency. If there were to be a court challenge to his residency, the time to bring that court challenge would have been when he filed his petitions, not after he wins the election. What you're about to see here, if the state assembly goes forward with what they're now saying they're going to do and refuse to seat the rightful winner of this election, the taxpayers of the state of New York are going to have to foot the bill for a whole new election. And who knows if Lester Chang will be able to participate in that one? Probably not. They may claim that his residency still didn't meet the one-year criteria necessary. I have no idea where Lester Chang lives or lived. I know at one time he lived in Manhattan. But the time to raise those questions is not after he wins the election. It's when he files his petitions. This looks like sour grapes. This looks like a pack of sore losers. And this looks like you're about to try to steal an election and charge the taxpayers a hefty bill to do so. I hope whatever your political party you let your state assembly member know that you are not okay with them stealing this election from Lester Chang. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight 7 WABC. I'm off to Mexico in a few hours. I appreciate you listening to me. There's a phenomenal story that the Marshall Project did in conjunction with USA Today. I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page right now at Facebook 
facebook.com slash moranofan and unfortunately with all of the baby boomers becoming senior citizens very soon and the continued graying of america this is going to be something that we deal with a great deal older people are increasingly running into problems with the police the analysis done by the marshall project found that arrests of people over 65 grew by nearly 30 percent between 2000 and 2020 those are real numbers that's at a time when overall arrests were falling sharply. So arrests of people over the age of 65 going up significantly, arrests of everybody else going down significantly. Here's what happens. Police are often called to track down a loved one with dementia, but their interactions can escalate when the person is confused or can't follow an officer's instructions. Uh, you could certainly imagine a situation where an older person dealing with dementia might try to smack an officer or spit on an officer or something along those lines, and a lot of these result in arrests. Many police departments have developed policies for mental health calls. Not many give guidance on responding to people with dementia. I want to encourage you to read this story, and I really think now that uh, all of the baby boomers will soon be in this age group, and we know people that are senior citizens are more likely to be dealing with dementia and the like, I really hope Every police department in America develops a policy or a series of policies for dealing with folks that have dementia. Read this article, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. And if you care, reach out to your local elected officials and or law enforcement officials and encourage them to develop a series of policies to deal with people who are suffering with dementia humanely and effectively. I'm not suggesting at all that uh, police officers sit there and have a high tolerance for assault or resisting arrest or refusing to follow instructions. I just think if you encounter someone that is clearly dealing with Alzheimer's disease or something along those lines, you have to play by a different playbook. Give a read to this article. Let me know what you think. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Most of the bike riding that I do these days is on a stationary bike, but there have been different times in my life where I was a pretty prolific bike rider on the streets, mostly as a youth, but even a little bit as an adult. And as an adult, I've always tried to wear a bike helmet. Now, when I go on vacation to Cape May and I do a lot of bike riding, I don't think I normally do wear a bike helmet, if I'm being honest. Well, New Jersey has long required children to wear helmets while riding bicycles, skateboards, and roller skates. And now, under a proposal sponsored by three Democratic lawmakers, that requirement could soon apply to adults as well, which would give New Jersey the strictest helmet law in the country. This legislation was introduced by Assembly members Reginald Atkins, William Spearman, and Annette Chaparro. It would also apply the helmet law to scooters. And according to the sponsors, this is going to provide another layer of protection, not only for children, but for everyone. And according to Assemblymember Atkins, he said, I think from a business perspective, I'm sure most businesses would want to keep their riders safe versus seeing increased legal cases. I have to tell you, 
I tend to favor this, even though I'm not someone that always rides my bicycle with a helmet when I'm on vacation in places like Cape May or Atlantic City, and maybe a helmet can look a little dorky. I think if it were mandated by law, one, you'd stop a lot of head injuries, maybe even prevent some deaths, which I think is a good thing. But if everyone has to wear a bicycle helmet, then all of a sudden, those of us that choose to wear a helmet, we can't be looked at as dorks by the rest of you because we're just following the law. I think this is a good idea. And generally, I tend to be pretty libertarian with certain things. If you want to screw up your body and do this and do that, fine. Why shouldn't you have the right to do so? It's because if you're hospitalized, particularly without insurance, but even if you have insurance, if you're hospitalized because of a traumatic head injury, the increased health care costs and the increased strain that you're placing on the medical system, especially if you have no insurance, is going to result in all of us paying more money. If you do have insurance, it results in us paying higher insurance premiums. So society as a whole has a vested interest in seeing you not crack your head open when you fall off a bicycle, which happens to many of us, especially those of us that do drunken bicycle riding from Vineyards in Cape May. This strikes me as a pretty good idea. I'd like to learn more about it, and I'm looking forward to a robust debate on this. And I'd love to see similar legislation take shape in New York. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go, and then you are free of me, and you will have Curtis Lee to kick around for a couple of days. It is the final countdown for the leap second. That is a janky way of aligning the atomic clock with the natural variation in the Earth's rotation. At a meeting last week in Versailles, the International Bureau of Weights and Measures voted nearly unanimously to abandon the controversial convention in 2035 for at least 100 years. Here's why it matters. Unfortunately for us as humans, the universe is a messy place. Approximate values work well for day-to-day -day life, but aren't sufficient for scientific measurements or advanced technology. Take years. Each one is 365 days long, right? Well, not quite. It actually takes the Earth something like 365.25 days to rotate around the sun. That's why approximately every fourth year, it's 366 days long. The extra leap day keeps our calendar roughly aligned with the Earth's actual rotation. Things get a little more frustrating the more accurately you try to measure things. In 1972, BIMP, which comes from the French name Bureau International des Poids et Mesures, agreed to a simple fix, leap seconds. Like leap days, leap seconds would be inserted into the year so as to align universal coordinated time with the Earth tracking universal time. Leap seconds aren't needed predictably or very often, so instead of having a regular pattern for adding them, BIMP would tally up all the extra milliseconds, and it would tell everyone to add one whole millisecond to the clock. Between 1972 and now, 27 leap seconds have been inserted into UTC. While probably not the best idea even back in the 70s, the leap second has become a progressively worse idea as computers made precision timekeeping more widespread. So we've got to figure something else out. So while large companies have developed techniques like smearing, where the leap second is added over a number of hours rather than all at once, it would make things a lot easier if they didn't have to. That brings us to last Friday's important decision. From 2035, leap seconds are no longer going to matter. 
BIMP is going to allow UTC to drift apart from UTI until at least 2135, hoping that scientists can come up with a better system of accounting for lost time or hoping that computers can get smarter about handling clock changes. It's not a perfect fix, but like many modern problems, it might be easier to kick the can down the road. We'll see what happens. To be continued.